Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to another episode of Rahala Stapa. My guest this week is probably best known for playing the hairy bus in Aqua Teen Hunger Force. It's Doug Stanhope. Here he is. Which I love. I just, I just, pick, I don't know what that is. I picked it out. I love the sound of it. It sounds good. What was, what was the hairy bus in Aqua Teen Hunger Force? It sounds like a. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's like stoner, stoner TV. I don't know. I, yeah. I just did a voiceover, <laughs> but it's funny because. Uh, my uh, my regular opener in the states, Junior Stopka, uh, on this last tour, just keeps finding my most obscure things like that. So he yeah. introduces me. He's uh, was on season two of Spy TV, and he was the hairy bus. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's fun. Well, you know, you get some interest because people never talk about their minor credits, so you often get uh, something interesting out of that. But look, you are well, what a I, time! I forget them, Richard, I, and occasionally yes. I'll go on IMDb to see what I've done with my life, <laughs> and I go, "Oh shit, I forgot about that." Yeah, well, a lot of people do, and and certainly as we're we're almost exactly the same age, Doug, and I forget absolutely. I forget what happened two days ago. Now, if I, I write a blog every day, if I don't write it the day after. I can't remember what the fuck I did two days ago. So that's, that's um, I'm I, I love it when people that don't drink that are my age forget. 
because I'm like, <laughs> all right, because I'd blame the booze otherwise, but nah, it's, it's yeah. just part of aging. Well, I did drink a lot. I've only just stopped drinking. Mean, I've stopped drinking for the last couple of years, so it hasn't improved my memory, I have to say, stopping drinking. But I think maybe I did the damage in my uh, 30s and 40s and 20s. Um, look, so it's, <laughs> it's a great time for you to come over to the UK on tour. You're currently uh, in Dublin, I understand, which uh, where the reaction to the, the death of Queen Elizabeth might be slightly different than here in uh, the United Kingdom. So don't I, I've, o- I've only been getting filled in uh, just now by Brian Hennigan, my manager. Yeah. So I, I don't think it was, the Irish... Trending on Twitter that... What, what were they saying? Here, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it at all, but okay. uh, yeah, I, it's uh, God's trying to cock block this whole tour. <laughs> all these dates were booked in 2020, and they just kept yeah. getting pushed and pushed. And and, the, yeah. and Hannigan's trying to book travel last week. He's like, "Oh shit, there's there's going to be a rail strike." <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to do a lot of this by car. <laughs> well, the good news is the, the, way the, the queen dies. Yeah, well, the good news is the queen dying means the rail strike isn't happening. Out of uh, in in uh, honor of her, the rail workers are going to work. So that you know, there's good news and bad news there for you. But um, uh, are you going to are you going to address uh, the uh, the loss of? I mean, you know, it's a it's a. And I was worried you, as you were flying over. I was thinking, oh, you know, it's at this moment we're we're recording this on the Friday, the day after the Queen died, uh, and it's not entirely clear whether venues are going to stay open or or close. So, yeah. are you worried about are you worried about losing some of these amazing dates you have coming up in the UK? I don't I don't know if I'm more worried about losing the dates or just being stuck in throngs of hundreds of thousands of people while I'm trying to get to a hotel. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm here. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't have, I showed up. I would have showed up during COVID if they didn't, if they didn't cancel the venues, I would have been here. I don't, I don't cancel gigs. They cancel gigs. So, uh, I'm here and I roll with the punches. Good. No, I I don't. If you were going to ask, I have no material about the queen. I really don't know how any of it works. Uh, if, if you're coming out, oh, Doug Stanhope's got to, he'll have great material on this. No, I, I, I won't. If I had, I wouldn't hold back if I had a great joke. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you I'm tend to gonna... avoid those, those big, you know, I know you do, you're not interested in uh, doing jokes about Trump, which is because it's too obvious. Uh, well, it's too big a subject. There's a great bit in, in one of your specials about uh how it's kind of ruined, <laughs> ruined the news for you because for for five years all the news has been Trump rather than all the the funny stuff that you could pick up on usually. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm going further in that direction of right. not talking. Well, because you know, like social media is ruined because everyone has an opinion now. Every comic that used to be talking about you know, oh, I have babies and they're like little drunk people or whatever. <laughs> And now they're all you know, sign this petition and vote on fucking SR four forty seven or like where's it? You used to put out you used to post gifts of like you know, a baby falling into a cake or something. <laughs> There's no funny left. So yeah, I'm going I'm going the opposite direction of all that. 
Sure. Well, I mean, what I love about your comedy, Doug, and I've been is it's you're very you're very authentic and very committed to comedy. Uh, I was listening to your audio book this week, Encore for the Donkey, uh, and uh, it sort of shows how dedicated <laughs> you are to living the life. It's it's like for some comedians, myself included, probably I'm kind I kind of wait for things to happen and hope I can make comedy out of those. But I think you sort of get in there and through your somewhat self-destructive <laughs> lifestyle, things kind of happen to you quite a lot. It's almost like you're living the, you know, you're living the character or the character is, is, is so much intrinsically part of you and the act. It's, it's hard to divide them up. But yeah, that, that, that book was about one, it was a perfectly bookended year of everything going fucked up. So yeah, 2016, and since then, yeah, things have uh, tempered quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. After after the wife's coma, because uh, it was the most beautiful excuse when she came home. She can't be overstimulated. She can't be around a lot of people. So it was a beautiful excuse to go. Hey, we can't have these giant parties anymore. And football, we just get down to a handful of friends that actually watch football. It was the best excuse until COVID, and that was a way better excuse to not have fucking people around all the time. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot that book. It is you know it, I, I, it's it's hard to know. I mean I think I do admire you, but it's it's hard not to to slight the the emotions it raises uh, are also a little bit of. I mean this is part of your act as well. There's sort of a bit of pity there's a bit of fear for you you know you're very nihilistic you're sort of unafraid of death or or flirt uh with the idea of death and and you know so as a as a as a fan or as a reader of your you know of your stuff it's it's uh it's a head it's good i mean it's what art should be it's a heady mixture of uh you're this you know you're coming out with these amazing routines and brilliant ideas but also especially with that year 2016 where where everything was fucking up and a lot of it a lot of it I've self-inflicted I have to say yeah, absolutely. um that, that you kind of are, are worried that I mean you know we're both 55 and that kind of lifestyle obviously was a few years ago so you're in approaching 50 maybe um is uh is hard to sustain yeah and it it gets boring uh, it, it, it starts to hurt. It takes a lot more time to recover and you forget too much. Like the more you live like that, you have to, uh, you know, you don't, if, if it becomes fun, you don't remember it. So you're not even getting good stories out of it. No, but you know, a lot, a lot of your, the the stuff in your act, I watched uh, the dying of a last breed uh, this morning, which is, uh, again, you know, using your your real life experiences, uh, uh, and uh, there's, you know, it, it is it is good for it is <laughs> it's good for creating comedy, uh, and you and I suppose it's your honesty, and I, and again, what I like about the book is I think uh, as much as people who won't necessarily actually watch your stuff or who are not going to like your stuff might think you're, you know, shocking or offensive or whatever, I think the sort of the decency beneath it all. You're a very decent man. What I like about the the audio book, the book uh, is there's a few points where you are looking out for the you know for the ostracized people in society or the lonely people in society. I mean, it starts with you having a party on a boat 
and, and not letting any beautiful people get into the jacuzzi with you. Only the only the ugly people who wouldn't usually be allowed to do that. So, and you know, that's that's a that, that shows a sort of there's a there's a heart behind your work that I think people. Um, you know, might might not want to see if they've decided what kind of comic you are, but you're a decent guy. Yeah, I, I was always curious where people go, wow, it's so weird to meet you in person because I thought <laughs> you'd be like a real asshole. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I, didn't, I, I, I never really see that coming through in my act. I mean, I yell <laughs> a lot and I'll say something that might you know, rub people the wrong way, but I again is i always have an arguable point if it is something controversial it, I, I i there's some logic base to it and then a fist yeah. fuck joke at the end so i can call it comedy uh, or <laughs> no well but, absolutely for sure do, do you think that the problem you know i i think with certainly like with there's a lot of a sort of macho us comics i think and and that maybe use offense just as a merely as a punchline and they're not as uh they're not as sophisticated or thoughtful i think as comedians as, as you are sometimes and i wonder if that's the reason that people start to think comedy shouldn't i mean i you and i obviously believe comedy should be able to tackle any subject there's a way of finding comedy and everything and it doesn't and it, it's not about if you if you do jokes about stuff that isn't that you're not taking it seriously or you don't care about it but there's there's Less good comedians than you, I think, can can do offensive stuff just for the sake of being offensive. Which I don't, it never feels like your act is that. I I have I have two cousins, uh, one who's a, a, a religious zealot, right wing Republican, and then her younger sister, who is still kind of conservative, but a late uh, outcoming lesbian, works with deaf kids and uh and i thought if either one of them came to my show and brought their friends both of their friends the both <laughs> the liberal and right wing would find reason to be offended and leave uh, yeah. you're kind of a man without a country if you're pragmatic <laughs> and cuz people will hear one thing and go oh he's like this or or he's like this they would both find reason to say i was the other where you can not have a side. It's okay to not have a side and just take every issue as it comes. But have you noticed that over here? Cause I, I haven't been over here in a while, but since everything's like splitting into party lines, I don't yeah. even know if that's the biggest thing over here. I've no, I could name a fucking dozen American comics who used to just be comics. And now they've, because there's money in taking sides. So now yeah. their podcast is hardcore right wing or hardcore left wing. Because if, if you if you if you get into a fight and pick a side, you're going to sell way more tickets. And, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely definitely happening to an, an extent here as well. Yeah. And I think with audiences as well, that that uh, they only see the the joke that's aimed at their side. So if you're and I think in the old day, I think you're right. I think a comedian's. Not, you know, there's no generalizations you can make about comedians, and not all, or at least they all fall apart. But a comedian should be able to take the piss out of everything, and should be looking to take the piss out of everything and themselves, but, what they think themselves, and you know. And- I know, I know a lot that are just calculated. Okay, I'm going to go full this way or full that way 
And just, yeah. you know, it's, what are you, a fucking wrestler? You don't believe that. You just know it's going to make you money and you're, it's going to get your podcast noticed. And it's phony. And you're, yeah. No, it's definitely phony. I, mean, with, I, I was going to mention Jerry Sadovitz, who got into, who, who I think, like, is a comedian who is not, in, in, I don't know if you know Jerry, he's, he's sort of equivalent to you to an extent. In that I think he is authentically living his life and his comedy hand in hand. And he sort of is horrible. He's, he's not the same as you on stage, but he's horrible about everything. I mean, to, like to the extent that you watch it and some of it makes you feel sick. But it's, I've but heard it's, about it's, him for years and it's, he's a bucket list comic. And then when yeah. I read about what happened at uh, at Edinburgh, yeah, I, I know I sent out a tweet in his on his behalf in his not in his defense because i wasn't there but i and yeah, i've, no, I've since heard that it was only this staff that complained about him actually no one in the audience was offended or walked out and it was the people that worked there that were bitching about it yeah i think that was the problem with young staff members who who hadn't you know he's been going for 30 40 years and uh you know the, and the the venue knew that. I think what's shocking about it is, well, A, he's, he's been sort of, uh, the the gig was, uh, you know, stopped from saying we, we we believe in free speech, but there's some things you can't say or whatever. It's like they had a list of things you're not allowed to say, but they hadn't shared, the, you know, the, the venue hadn't gone, by the way, if you say this word, you'll be taken off. So there's a secret list of, of, of some, and I suppose I suppose the problem is that you can hear a word and go, well, I think that's the way the way the world's become uh, very sort of binary is that some people are waiting to hear a word to tick off a list rather than understand the intent behind it. With Jerry, he's the bottom of the pile and he's fighting out everyone. I mean, and he lives the life, and whereas you might have had a, a, a party life, I feel Jerry's had a, a very unhappy life of being this guy sort of punching upwards at, at everyone. And so it would be weird in a way if he chose, you know, if he said, well, I'm, I'm going to go with everyone, but I'm going to, I'm going to not do any of the, the race stuff anymore because that in, in itself, within his act, it would be a, almost sort of a, a racist thing to do. But also you should be able to, you know, in art, you should be able to, I think people don't see comedy as art and people don't see comedy as anything more than jokes. So when you're doing something a bit more complex, it's not just about, did you say the word or didn't, you know, did you say this word and then for you, you stop. So, but it, but it's, yeah, I mean, it, it, it there, there's a similarity. I mean, you in in the, the special I saw, you you did a sort of complex routine about Indian call centres, which again is a is a, a subject that right wing lazy comedians will go in a different way than you went, which is to go why you know why is everyone Indian? Which yours is yours is much more complex, but gets in. Well, gets yeah, no, it goes into is that that was the segue <laughs> into Indian gang rape. Yeah. So it's a complex, it's a complex routine. <laughs> but it's the idea that you can't joke about anything, but that one is, you know, is playing around with, with those perceptions, which, is, you know, again, I think intelligent comedy can do, and which I think you, you you know, I mean, when you've been going as as, as long as you have, you kind of hope that people will trust that uh, you know what you're doing. But I suppose ultimately it's about people making their own choice about what they go to see. It, it, you're a... You're a co- comedian who, uh, I suppose, if venues decided to cancel you, then you could be cancelled. But you can't really be cancelled because you've got nothing to be cancelled from apart from <laughs> your podcast yeah, well, and your live the, tours. The, the, there's, I don't have no sponsors. When you know, when comics in the states are getting cancelled, that means oh, you 
you get kicked off a TV show, but your stand-ups, Louis C.K. could have gone out the day after and sold out a room 10 times as big as I could sell out at the worst of his reputation. He could still do stand-up. And when he did, yeah, people showed up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think cancelling, I mean, it's it's weird when a, when a gig gets stopped, but with Jerry, it's just meant he could go and play a much bigger venue than he would have ever got to play. So it's sort of, if you, and I'm sure Jerry wasn't being cynical about it. He's not that kind of guy, but, um, you know, you could cynically do this and go, okay, I can, I can boost my career by, by going down this road. But um, yeah. What, oh, Chris Rock, you know, with the slap. Yeah. Yeah, his tickets went through the roof. Any kind of controversy, and I, I, I do talk about this in my act, it's a cancel culture on some levels is good for business in our business. <laughs> I think you have to do something pretty extreme. You know, and I can't, I think, well, you're, you know, you in the book, you're friends, you're friends with Roseanne, who is the, who's the person I think most of all has been most affected by being cancelled and that she was kicked off her own TV show, which is yeah. is pretty extreme. But I mean, I can't think of many people who. But she can who, still go out and do stand up. Of course, yeah, yeah. People love and her. And she is very funny. And when you look at her life, like all the things she's done for, you know, downtrodden people and victims of sexual abuse and uh, everyone, she's just out of her fucking mind. Sure. Yeah. I talk about her in the act too. So uh, tell us about the, the the tour already. Well, let's let's talk about the tour. You're coming to most a lot of cities in the in the UK. Having just turned off my phone and lost <laughs> lost what they are. Uh, so and uh, what what's what is is this a new is this all new material or is it is it uh, a mixture of? Oh, it, 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 it's nothing I've done over here. Uh, right. So, yeah, tomorrow I get a long day of trying to figure out, okay, what of the new stuff that I've been doing in the States, plus the the stuff that I can't do over there anymore, but want to do over here because I haven't done it, and how to segue it all together. Like, I have plenty of material. It's just, now it's like a crossword puzzle of, okay, what goes with this? Because I've been doing it like this, but now I have to change it up, and then I have to go through, okay, when you think a bit's going to work, oh, this whole chunk of material will be fine over here. And then you go, wait, like three of the big laughs are references they're probably not going to get. So, yeah. uh, and I, I took this summer off and then I just did three weeks uh, relearning what I was doing before I took the summer off. Did that in the States, the whole time on stage thinking, okay, that reference is not going to work over there. <laughs> they have Mad Libs. Do they know what Scooby-Doo is? <laughs> and I'm completely in my head relearning what I have to do here that I'm going to learn how to do. It'll be perfect by the time I leave in three weeks. And then I'm going to have to go back to the States and unlearn it and relearn the other way. Yeah. You've been here over here a lot, though. So you do. You've got a, a better handle. And some U.S. comics come across and... Just you know, twenty percent of their act is like references to stuff that uh, we're not going to get. Whereas m- most of those things you mentioned, I think we would understand. So you you are a you are aware of stuff. I guess over here you might be best known for the uh, the appearances on Charlie Brooker's uh, Screen White Show. Though that was a a little while ago, but I was watching a couple of those this morning as well to remind myself of those. And those were lots of 
that, that was all that when it was because it was a, it was looking at America, wasn't it? An American culture as a correspondent from yeah, the from, voice of America. What I just, yeah. I, I just found out not long ago from Hennigan, uh, my manager, uh, when, when uh, uh, the what's the uh, black Charlie Brooker's show, the oh, Black Mirror, yeah, Black Mirror, yeah. They they uh, they wanted me to play the judge in the first episode, which is by far the best episode ever of the the pig fucking. Right. They wanted me to play the judge, and Hennigan, I would have made me. Uh, I would have had to stay longer on the tour, and I was so fucking tired of the tour that I just said no without even um, asking about it. And then later on, he goes, "Yeah, that's the thing you said no to." I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, well, those these missed opportunities that you don't do, you do don't do much. You occasionally crop up, and I know you don't really like sitcoms, but you we well, did the Roseanne sitcom, didn't you? I think, and you occasionally crop up with little bits of acting. But uh, is it something you're not? I mean, it feels like you're a that stand up is is your home and podcasts that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I, I don't like acting much. Uh, I just I did just star in a movie that and I, 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 technically I starred in a movie, so that's why I did it. And uh, I don't think you'll be seeing it in theaters, but <laughs> <laughs> it sounds submitting. about the same as it's about, it's about the same as my my acting. I end up acting in lots of uh, independent and weird little films. But yes, that's uh, that's that's all good fun. I mean, no, was, I've got it was playing a fifty five year old alcoholic stand up comedian who is okay. chain smokes and is dying of liver <laughs> failure, doing shitty gigs on the road in the states. And I'm like, okay. all right, that's easy. And I have the month <laughs> off anyway, so I'll go do it just for the experience, and hopefully, I'll get some material out of it. It's low budget. Maybe it'll be a, a you know the story value. And it was, uh, it was a fine time, which sucked. Cause I'm like, there's nothing funny in a fine time. No, uh, that's fun. true. Uh, uh, yeah. So there's, I get no jokes out of it. And no. I don't know if it's going to suck. Like when you do stand up, you, you know, in the moment, if it sucks or not, you yeah. do a movie and it's all you, it's going to be a year and a half before you know if you suck. Well, it depends how it all gets put together, but at least, I mean, I think the thing with stand-up in movies is very, it, you don't often see it done very well. It's very rare. So at least to have someone who is authentically can understand what that part is, that gives it uh, some hope of being of being uh, realistic and authentic. Yeah, yeah I, 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 <laughs> I, I rewrote half the movie as we were going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. If they let, if they let you. My, the last film I did was entirely improvised, which was is absolutely the way to go. A, if your memory is not good, because I can never remember lines anymore. But also, just then, then you can really uh, put your creative input into stuff, and it's really, it's really good fun to do it that way. But uh, I, I'm, I'm shit at improvising. I, I still, if I, if I if I say something spontaneous on stage that's funny, I. I I clap like it's my first time on stage. I'm, I'm patting myself on the back inside. Uh, so, so yeah, it was it was a lot of rewrites, but uh, improvising, especially with a camera on me. Yeah, well, this was weird because it was so it, because it was all improvised. It it was sort of awkward to begin with, and then you get into it, and 
Also, it doesn't matter. You know, you're filming so much, it doesn't matter. And you reshoot. If something works, just reshoot and have another go at it. Uh, it was a really interesting way to work. I'm, I'd like to do more of it because it was it was creatively, it was very interesting. And then you don't have time to... My problem with acting is, you know, as a comedian, is you kind of... I think you're too aware, you sort of step outside and you're too aware to be a good actor. But if you're if you if you're just in it, you haven't got time to think about acting, so you just get on with it. It was it, it was interesting. Yeah. Let me it's, ask. It's 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 when you're supposed to shut up. That's when I have a problem with acting. <laughs> like, okay, you talk. Then what do I do? Go grab a beer. <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself while while you're it's, doing uh... your line. <laughs> Well, it sounds in that film like the, that you may that that might not have been a problem that you would probably be allowed to carry on talking if that's if that's the character you are playing because comedians can talk they can talk. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, let me ask you an emergency question. These are just uh, uh, some stupid questions I ask people every now and again. Um, if you were going to be in a human centipede, Doug, I mean, you're, you're in the middle, but they let you choose the people at either end. Who would you like in front of you and behind you in your human centipede? Oh, wow. <laughs> Talking of improvisation. You should submit <laughs> these questions ahead of time so I have time no, to think. I don't, want you, I don't want you to think about it. I want a, I want a gut reaction, literally, in this case. I, I, I guess I'd want a, a, a bulimic in the front. Okay. <laughs> that could then, work. Is there anyone you'd like to shit into the mouth of that you haven't already? Because having having seen some of your work and listened to your book, there's a ch- very good chance you've shat people already. <laughs> I don't know. Who have I hated today, Brian? Uh, there's too many. I, I've, I, I find myself just uh, watching the news or... And uh, and just every person, I hate you. I fucking hate your face. And then the commercials come on, and I fucking hate you. And then, 
when you, you just hate that much in a row, you go, that's me. This is a problem with me. This, <laughs> these people are not that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll give you one from my own watching of TV over the last couple of days. I would like you to shit in the mouth of Nicholas Witchell. And that name won't mean anything to you. And you're a lucky man for not knowing it. But he's, uh, he's the royal correspondent of the BBC, who's a very obsequious, fawning guy who kind of waits for these moments. And then when they come up, he's in, he's center stage. Uh, and there was someone someone had a quote about the corgis. I don't think he said this yesterday, but he may have done uh, saying that they they don't know the queen's status and they still they still love her. It was something along those lines. But I think those I think those corgis still get to look at other dogs and go, "There's something going on here." There's, uh, yeah, is, no, we're not, I want to burn a bridge ahead of time, but I think that bridge is going to burn. You know where I'm going, Hennigan? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I, I'm supposed to do an interview with someone who's uh, would be uh, the back part of my human centipede. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but the interview is scheduled for the day after the funeral. So okay. there's no way they're going to fucking put Doug Stanhope, <laughs> completely unknown comedian, on the day after the Queen's funeral. <laughs> but, uh, well, you never... You might slip through. You might slip through. Yeah, he would be if I if, if that interview happens. I I plan to uh, figuratively shit in his mouth in the interview. <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Um, that'd be good. So I'm I'm kind of intrigued about um, your. Dis- I mean, I know you didn't like Hollywood very much, but uh, what what uh, prompted you to move to? Bisbee, which sounds like an amazing place from from all your stories and from your books, uh, but what 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 made you decide to go to live in Bisbee? Well, I, I did my ten years stint in L.A. and uh, I I just couldn't live there anymore. There was no reason to. I just wanted to travel and you know go back to just doing comedy. I didn't want to audition for commercials anymore just because my agent told me I should. I would do so much shit in L.A. just because my agent said. Oh, he said it. I didn't realize for a while you can say no. Right. <laughs> oh, I could say no to my agent. I thought I had to do everything you said. Uh, and so Bisbee was a town that I'd found driving in and out of L.A. to go out on the road. And it was a, I, I always loved small towns. I live my life to avoid traffic, which is one of the main reasons I fucking hate the U.K. I hate London. Just it's claustrophobic. And the older I get, the more space I need. I, I feel like a, a, a 600 pound man when I'm walking down a street or getting <laughs> in an elevator in, in, in the UK. Uh, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a small town, but it wasn't like rednecky, stupid small town. And uh, I loved it. And I, so and that's one of the things that quarantine spoiled me. Is where I go, this is this is now I know this is what I want to do. Right. It's absolutely nothing. <laughs> In a small town. After I mean when you've been on the road for a while, I've lived there for 17 years now. At that point, 15 years, and it was the first time I'd stayed in my own bed in the same bed in my life since I was a teenager. Like for a full year was well, turned into eighteen months, but I'd never spent. The, I've, 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 I knew where all my shit was. Like for the first time, the fifteen years I had that house, 
I had never like I organized, you know, my Tupperware drawer. I had my <laughs> closet organized and, and everything. I didn't know where my shit was. You you get home and you dump your shit and you sprawl out on the couch for a few days and catch up on whatever shows are on your DVR and feed the whatever pets are still alive and then go back out on the road. You don't really know where your shit is. And after a year and a half, I'm like, I love being a homeowner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, the, I'm the same. I'm the same. But I think I think in the UK, touring is so different. I can't really get my head around what your life must be like doing a United States tour. And then and because and, and you play around the world so much that you really are just going from hotel to hotel so much of the time. Whereas I can get home from, you know, 50, 60 percent of the gigs I do in the UK, I can still get home from. Yeah, my uh, my tour manager drove the van from Bisbee, where we live, to our first gig in Michigan, and that took five days. I mean, they took their time just for him to meet me where I flew to meet him, and then we drove, you know, a, a couple thousand miles, and then yeah, I flew home just to unpack, repack for this, and then I'll fly back, and then we'll do another. You know, 5,000 miles through the southeast back home when I get back. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot of travel. Do you, do you think you can keep it up? Because that's, that's what I, I haven't really toured. I did a tour of the podcast, but I haven't toured stand-up for a few years. And that's the thing that I really want to get back into stand-up. But the thing that puts me off is all the is all the traveling. Do you think it's something you're going to, you, you're going to be able to carry on doing for the next 5, 10 15 years or is it going to is it going to come to a point where you go right I'm just staying at home because you're, you're doing all your podcasts you don't have to you could just work from home yeah if, if, if I could set up a, a a club at my house which we we do have kind of a club where we've uh, where we tape our podcast the fun house it's a standalone building on my property it's 18 by 20 but we have a little tiny corner stage in it and we filmed a couple of specials in there uh, yeah. where you, I can put 30 people in there, jam tight. But, you know, 30 people s- slammed into a room is a great audience. Uh, and I, I thought, what if I just had people come to me like <laughs> Vegas and make an exclusive thing, make like vet them, like put what the, the audience puts on comedians as far as trying to be the the police no we're gonna vet you to see if you're a good audience member we're gonna check your references (laughs) go beyond the dave Chappelle putting your cell phone in a bag no we're gonna call references that's a good idea i know you can do it i'm sure you can do it um i mean i like to get the bit in the special again where you addressed uh racists in your audience and told them that they were idiots if they if they were enjoying the material on the wrong level and didn't understand it <laughs> so that's the that's the first step you just tell them you're not welcome and then uh and then then you've got to pass a test to get in um yeah when and- people would say when people would say well you know you mean it in a certain way but other people might be laughing for the wrong reasons. Then yell at them for being <laughs> fucking idiots. Don't blame me. I know what I'm talking about. Blame the people who are laughing wrong. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's true. It is very much true. Um, and, uh, you, you know, you talk about dying and you talk about, I mean, in the book, again, you talk about uh, the number of comedian friends you've had who die. And uh, it, it seems to me something you're not... 
worried about or that you know you're not actively looking after your own health i think would <laughs> would it be fair to say or or are you are you getting better in that regard no i, I when i'm at home i'm really i i, I eat healthy ish i mean compared <laughs> to the road yeah. Where you're just shoveling whatever fucking drive-through shit you can get in your head before showtime. Yeah, I eat healthy. I still smoke way too much, and I still drink. But I I haven't done drugs. I've been doing edibles, which I think is really good. Uh, I, I was never a weed guy, but now they're they're legal and they're everywhere. It's just everyone has way too much weed because it became legal and people <laughs> hoarded and now they're giving it away. So yeah, I, I dabble in edibles and like I, I have fun writing when I'm high, like actually writing being enjoyable as a process. I mean, a lot of the, the material that comes up is, is unusable, but I laugh my ass off at myself. Like I was writing out a set when I first came back from, after COVID, after 18 months, and I get high by myself. And I started on a yellow legal pad, just writing out a set. And after a while, I'm I'm writing in hecklers and then writing my response to hecklers that don't exist. And I'm laughing like this all by myself. I'm crying. And I a few of the ideas actually worked, but just having the overall <laughs> process of spending like four or five hours writing every detail of a set that doesn't exist. I mean, so, it's a good way. It's, it's good because I think like I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't do that, but I think the the problem I have with writing is overcoming that, you know, actually that first splurge and everything. You just want to get as much stuff down and open up your brain and not worry if it's shit or <laughs> If it's good, and just see what comes out. So if you can actually uh, create that, create that mindset through uh, artificial means, then I guess that's that's a good way of doing this. Because you would, you know, if if you're writing sober, you would write an equal amount of stuff that didn't work, I'm sure, and maybe less stuff that would work. Who knows? Yeah, right now it's just a matter of like I have so many things that I've been doing in different ways, and now again it's just piecing together. Okay, how does that go into that? And fuck segues and and then I I always now, now I always have a, 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 a notes in one pocket of just the shit that I did write high or that has no home or will never go anywhere or is just silly or that I'll just break that out okay I'm at the end of this train of thought let's go to the high notes I just pick <laughs> randomly things that are stupid or just not worked out and then. Uh, and then move on from there. And do you find, I mean, obviously you've found a way to uh, self-medicate with alcohol that works, but because I, I had to stop drinking on stage when I was drinking because I just found it dulled my perceptions too much or my reaction time wasn't good enough or it just got too... Occasionally I'd do a drug, you know, you do a, a club where you the, the idea was to get drunk and it was sort of interesting. But it, but it's actually quite hard to control the situation. Have you just got good at doing that with a drink in your hand, or, or are you? Are you kind uh, no, of- yeah, drinking helps me in the opposite way. I just did uh, the for the first time. I did a full set in Detroit where I, I on an edible, and uh, it what it did. It, like I, I got a little goofy, uh, but. <laughs> 
it also it, it, re, uh, it reanimated all the things. The reasons I drink on stage are because I uh, otherwise I would be too focused on oh that lady's looking at her watch and those people she, she uh, that, they're on their phone that, oh they're walking out are they going are they walking out of my show or are they just going to the restroom I don't like all that stuff I drink and I don't think about that and then I can get into my set and and you know act <laughs> perform I'm not yeah. and then when I was high what I did notice was. Oh, I'm drinking and I'm high. And now I'm like, oh, that person just keeps talking to the person next to them. Are, are they, <laughs> am I running late? Like just, it, it, it brought all that shit back, all that kind of paranoia inner right. workings. So uh, yeah, so far it's good for writing and it's good for fun. And it puts me in a, a way happier mindset off stage, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to. <laughs> <laughs> go full bore edibles on stage i'm going to stick with the cocktails okay and do you think you you know i've seen it said that you're only happy when you're sad do you think that's do you think that's true about you or is that just the character or is that the real doug stanhope that's only happy when you're I, sad? I i love i i love to complain because that's yeah. really where most comedy comes from it's, yeah <laughs> I, I just i on this last tour a friend of mine was uh spreading her father's ashes on all the highest points in all 50 states and saw that one of them was on it's be, uh, between your gigs uh, my dad loved you and he would mean so much if you would go on it's just a one mile hike <laughs> spread his ashes and it's the last state and i said yes and i had the fucking my tour manager and his wife and my opener all agreed to go and this one mile hike, I go, what does hiking include fucking using your hands and knees? We're like climbing fucking mountains and shit. Yeah, it's a mile, but it's <laughs> I was bitching the entire time. But I go, oh, well, this is fantastic because I'm going to bitch about this on stage and have something new to complain about that. And when you have something new to say right off the top of your act, it refreshes all the shit that you've been saying that you get tired of. So, yeah, yeah. I, I love to bitch. Well, you've got to see, you say you don't like improvisation, but like in your life, it seems to me, you're very yes and, which is the heart of improvisation. That if someone says, do this or can I do, you know, that you will, you'll, you'll have a go, you know, it's, it's. I'm very, see in real life I'm very reticent and I think I'd miss out on lots of adventures and adventures still happen to me but it's very much against my will which maybe is funny in a different way but it feels with you that you will you'll take up challenges and you'll do stupid bets and you'll if someone no. says come and climb it come and climb a mountain you'll climb the mountain with no them. no I I, I agree <laughs> and that's one of the things I said that night I only agreed to it because I didn't like her enough to say no. She's not that good of a friend. Like my good <laughs> friends, people I'm comfortable with, I would have no problem going, yeah, fuck yourself. I'm not hiking up for a mile, <laughs> even if it is on flat ground. But you know, when you have to be polite to someone, uh, no, I'm I'm like you. I I say no to almost everything. And that, right. then after I got, yeah, I got a, a good, you know, five or six minutes off the top of my set, I go, I have to do things I hate more often because it's <laughs> <laughs> business. 
<laughs> but you know, it is a more. It's a, you, you'll get stuff by trying to create stuff. Quite great instance in that way. You'll get stuff that no other comedian will get. That's what I suppose is interesting, and that's it. Always feels with your stuff. It's not. You know, I don't think I ever see, I've ever seen anything you've done and gone, oh yeah, I've seen this done before, or I've seen it done this way before. You you really you really managed to come, which is very hard, I think, as a comedian to never kind of hit a hack idea or a hack subject, or if you do hit a subject that might be hack, you, you're coming at it from a completely different angle, so it isn't. You know that last special you were talking about, I I, I there's a whole chunk about you know two and a half star hotels versus one star. And it was, I know it was self-indulgent and probably <laughs> it was not unique premises, but at some point you, you have to like, this is shit that really bothers me that I need to say. And yeah, it wasn't really, I don't know. I, I, but that I, was I still think... different. That Even that was different. I, you know, I, even that, uh, that's not the same you're coming at it from <laughs> the character so strong the character of Doug Stanhope, which, you know, how much of it's you and how much of it's the artifice for stage is, you know, it's obviously up for question, but the character's so strong and the, that even if you're looking at hotels, you're doing it in a way that, because you're talking about wanting to stay at one star hotels because the reviews are bad, because they give you clues about things that you'll want to do. It's a very Doug Stanhope routine that I don't think any, if someone, if I did that, people go, well, you don't want to go and, go to hookers and go to a bar at four o'clock. So that's not, so, you know, it's unstealable. I think is, is probably the, if you've got an act, an act and comedians act should be unstealable. You know, you, your act should be good enough that only you can really do it. I think unless you're, unless you're literally just a gag comedian, which is, which is fine. I mean, and anyone could do gags, but if you're doing anything with a bit more depth, that's, to it than that, that, that's why I'm unstealable is my bits are 20 <laughs> minutes long and I'm doing them in a, a society where you know thirty second you know, uh, clips are as much as people can tolerate. No. <laughs> well, that's but that's I think that's a very you know that's you feel like a very British comedian to me as as American as you are because of that I suppose in that it is you know it feels like it feels like your shows are Edinburgh shows rather than even specials you know which uh, often comedian specials are still just a collection of, of routines and jokes but there's. There's more to it than that, but maybe that's because you've been over here a little bit, or maybe that's just maybe the sensibility just chimes more uh, than than some American comedians from for me. But I, I, I do know your stuff are better than a, than a lot of the the American stand ups. But um, yeah, it's, you you do have this kind of very interesting life because you're living in Bisbee, but you were also hanging out at Johnny Depp's house and. You know, it's this it's this it's this weird it's this weird dichotomy not, of a life that you have. A, it's not a regular thing. <laughs> no, but if, but even for that to happen once for you say it happens a few times to you, you know, you know Johnny Depp, you're friends with Johnny Depp. So uh it's uh it's it's an interesting you know, you have experiences I'm, that that other people I'm wouldn't have. Kissing while we talk. I don't I, know if this is a first for your podcast, but it is. I was gonna say I was wondering if that's where you're going, but that's that's yeah. okay. No, it's nice. That's all right. I'm hitting the water just for the, but I'll, I'll hit the, the porcelain now. I just, for authenticity, yeah. I want to hit the water. <laughs> yeah, it is the first because I would usually, I don't, I don't, I do too many over Zoom. I did all through lockdown, but nobody went to the toilet. If anyone did go to the toilet, they, they said, can I stop and go to the toilet? So it is a first. Thank you, Doug, for, for that at least. And there you go. We've got, we've got something, 
that could no other comedian <laughs> could do. It's on film, but luckily we only, we got the we only got the top half, so that's that's all right. Though I know that that as a as a man who's exposed himself to Louis C.K. Uh, that is, uh, which is quite, that is, that's, in a way you were getting the revenge in first there. And I think that was, that, that was, that was good for you. But, um, uh, you've, so you've been doing comedy since, um, we'll, we'll wrap up soon. Well, you've been at the loo now. Oh, no, I'm not in no. a hurry. Uh, okay, good. Um, not, I, not I, anymore. <laughs> I'm always interested in in the stuff that people did before they were comedians or when they were struggling to be comedians. Uh, and I noticed yeah, that you um, used to. I mean, you you worked in telemarketing, right? But you also did uh, gay sex lines. Is there was is that is that true? That I, you... I I, just, I did that one as a goof, right? Uh, <laughs> but before that, I did fraud telemarketing, borderline gray area fraud. Uh, telemarketing and what's uh fun now the the guy that fired me from my uh, last fraud telemarketing job in vegas in the 1989 i guess uh is now the governor of nevada Steve <laughs> <Sistel>. <laughs> okay and what does it what what's what is what is the i mean what how how is something almost a fraud without being a fraud what sort of things were you selling to people uh it was uh, basically like you get phishing spam now. You won a big yeah. prize, right? Uh, you're you're, sell, you're selling them like advertising specialties, like like this, a pen with their company name on it. Uh, yeah. And but but because they were in, you know, you're guaranteed to win one of these big prizes, and one of them's like, is, oh, it's a, a trip for uh, uh, two to Hawaii. But what it is, it's a certificate that one person goes free and the other pays double, basically. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's all in the wording of how you say yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, he, he was uh, he ran one of the rooms, and and now now he's the governor of Nevada. I wrote That's about crazy. it. I I wrote the whole thing in my first book, uh, digging up mother. And the you know the specifics of the scam and him firing me, and now now he's governor, and I I'll occasionally tweet at him, "Hey Steve, you think you want to take me back to work your phone banks for your reelection campaign?" Hello, Hello? Yeah, he's ignored me. <laughs> it's, what a shame! He should he should get in touch with you. Um, uh, and and what drew you what? What drew you to comedy in the first place? Because you've, you've basically been doing comedy since you were like twenty three, right? So yeah, what 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 pushed in your site in Las Vegas? What pushed you towards stand up? I was I, I was always uh, I wasn't like class clown, but I was I I was like the funny uh, uh, almost school shooter. <laughs> like I, I I I was I, I was the class clown, but uh, my. Uh, sense of humor was uh, for a limited audience, just like it is now. I was always yeah. too dark for the room for class clown. Uh, I, I kind of horrified people, but I was always drawn to comedy. I always loved watching comedy. And when I was in Vegas and there was open mics everywhere, I used to go to one near my house and every Tuesday night and go, Hey, if I write some material, can I go up next week? And then, yeah, yeah, sure. And, uh, it became a running joke, but after about the sixth time, I, 
I actually had four minutes and went up and did it and did six open mics in my second week of comedy. That's how much comedy there was back then in yeah. 1990. Yeah, I think it was similar in the UK, really. You know, we we would. Uh, I was sort of start. I started in about yeah, nineteen ninety, and um, and there was yeah. You would just you would go to a club, and then you would sometimes you could headline it the next week. It was kind of in. It was sort of there was so much stuff going on. But there were there were very few comics. I think that yeah. looking back, uh, I I would say there was probably a dozen open mic comics that would just do all the open mic nights. And uh, and now, you know, there's an open mic in Tucson, the closest city to me, that has an open mic once a week. <laughs> and like 40, 50 people will sign up. Yeah, it's definitely uh, the same here. <laughs> there's a lot of people who want to be comedians. I guess I guess it was the same in America as it was in the UK, that it wasn't, you weren't really thinking this is going to lead to being a, you know, a, a profitable Career no, necessarily the same way you get drunk and you know dare someone to do karaoke. Yeah. All right. I I I, I could probably sing uh, Joe Jackson. I can get away with some Joe Jackson. You're not going. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be on America's Got Talent. <laughs> it's true. Um, and another thing I liked about the book um, was, and again, I think this sort of possibly explains uh, your style of comedy to to people who who you know don't think you should joke about these subjects is you, you discuss the palliative nature of comedy. And it really, in the book, it, in this, in this third or fourth of your books, uh, the, the, uh, the for the donkey, um, so many terrible things are happening and you're joking about them as, as they go along. But in order, you know, there's for some people, the worst thing in, in your life happens to you. And the best way to get through it is through laughter. Right. Is that, I mean, I think that's, and that, that helps you cope with the situation. Yeah, I, but I don't. I don't think you go. Oh, hey, hang on, we need comedy right now. <laughs> I think it's just your natural default mode is to, and, and that's also when I laugh the most is when something's really <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, I, 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 I've laughed like this where you know, my girlfriend's crying, and uh, but you're so adorable when you're crying, and it just makes me laugh the more she starts crying about something dark. Uh, it's 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 not a calculated, okay, we're going to need comedy. And no, no, but it, but it is that, but, you know, but then also within the book, you're, you're sort of cracking jokes as, as your partner is being taken to hospital and it turns out to be an extremely life-threateningly dangerous situation that you don't see because you're, you know, you're off your nut a bit as well that you, uh, that you don't really appreciate how serious it is, but you're, but you're still. But, uh, it, it, but if, if I did understand that it was that serious, which eventually we, we did, <laughs> and then we yeah. kept like, like a, a, a skunk never says, uh, <laughs> You know what? Maybe this is the wrong time for spraying. <laughs> That's what they do. So look, I'll t- let me take everyone through where your tour dates are, and uh, and that everyone should buy tickets on the on the fourteenth of September. You are also going to Australia next year, I should mention, but we'll just go through the the UK coming up. Fourteenth of September, you're in Newcastle. Fifteenth, you're in Sheffield, O2 Academy. It's a big venue. Sixteenth um, at the Manchester Apollo. O2 Apollo, uh, 17th in Southampton. That's an odd choice out of all the places you could go to. 
So you got a lot I of fans in I have no idea what I, Hannigan tells me where we're going. I don't know. Southampton, you're going all the big cities and Southampton, but you know, it'll, it'll be all right. Uh, London on, uh, I know one of these London dates is sold out 19th here in London. I think there's an extra London date, isn't there? But I think that's sold out. Um, and you're in Cardiff, St. David's Hall, fantastic venue, 21st of September. Uh, Birmingham, 22nd. Glasgow, O2 Academy, 23rd. And um, Leeds on the 24th. Uh, that's a it's a it's a pretty full on UK tour, and those are, are big big venues. Um, I, I, you- I like Hennigan's very honest with me. He goes, "Well, um, uh, Newcastle, uh, we we haven't we haven't sold a lot of tickets, but the good news is we're in a smaller venue than last time." <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of comedy fans in Newcastle. They'll come out for you. They're good guys in Newcastle. Um, though there's a lot of good comedy in Newcastle. Maybe not on a Wednesday night. I don't know. Um, I, I, but uh, we did this uh, a horrendous tour in uh, 2012. Just ill-fated seven weeks of the UK. Right. At one point, they had rented us a, a double-decker tour bus that was last used for Lady Gaga's dancers. <laughs> it was a 14-sleeping-birth double-decker tour bus. And yeah. like, it's me and the opening act. <laughs> Somehow we had like five different managers or helpers. I'm like, what is going on? This is like how MC Hammer lost all his money. <laughs> I don't know why. But I remember we played Newcastle was great. And uh, until we played Wolverhampton, Newcastle was my favorite uh, football team. Uh, okay. Now it's now it's Wolves, even though we never go back to Wolverhampton. Point being, like six days later, we we're playing Sunderland, and we played like a two thousand seater with like a hundred and fifteen people in it. <laughs> and they go, "Well, you just played Newcastle's right across the street." And I'm like, well, yeah. "Who's who's putting this tour together?" So yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but also that's the way that it's absolutely UK touring is so weird, uh, and yeah, that's that's fairly typical that you can sell out somewhere and then go. I mean, yeah, if it's nearby, that there's a possible reason. Though Sunderland and Newcastle people will not go into each other's cities, so there's no reason right. why Sunderland shouldn't shouldn't. They will not. They hate each other, and they they wouldn't be seen dead in each other's cities. So I don't well, know what happened there. Don't know what happened in Sunderland. They don't deserve you. Yeah, well, it's uh, I, I'm not going back, as you can see. <laughs> and do you enjoy that? I mean, I've had a lot of gigs like that, and certainly, like when in the days we were in a double act that was on TV, we'd get booked into big venues, and a hundred people would come. Do you enjoy those gigs, or does it is it too embarrassing? <laughs> I find it quite embarrassing, but I think we you'd overcome oh, the embarrassment. It's, it's terrible because and they weren't even <laughs> sitting together. <laughs> All right, two over here and four eight rows away. <laughs> And a couple in the back, you're like, all right. Uh, it, it, it can be funny, but on a seven-week tour of – I didn't know there's seven weeks' worth of cities in this whole block of islands. I mean, there is, but you've got to, you've got to start going small. You know, Southampton would be, would be very cosmopolitan compared to the place you have to go on a seven-week tour. I mean, that's what – you know, that's sort of – I guess my tours are, are usually that 50 or 60 or 70 dates is what you sort of have to do to make it – profitable at my level um but there we go um look doug it's lovely love to see you and i really massively appreciate you i know you've just got off a plane um and you've you've stepped into a, a world where the uh, an old lady has died and everyone's 
It'd be, it's going to be very interesting to see what, what happens um, in the next week. Again, the more, the more <laughs> fucked up it is, the funnier it is. I think, we're, I think the country is about to lose its mind. Uh, and uh, there's, there's been plenty of things that we could have lost our mind over, but I think not having, not having the Queen at there, it's just like having a hand on the helm as we've been filling up with water, and now her hand has gone, and, uh, and it, I think it's we're probably funny, fucked. It's funny you say that, because two, three days ago, where my wife and I were watching the news, and they showed, I forget what it was, but the Queen was shaking someone's hand, and I yeah. paused the TV. I go, look at her hand. Because her hand was that old, like all black. Like when the old people get the, like, it's a, just a, a deep purple contusion. But that's what they look like all the time. I'm like, oh, look at the monkey paw. <laughs> Ew. And then, then yesterday, I go, guess who's dead, honey? <laughs> yep. And I'm flying over there right now. I have a feeling she'd been on a drip. Like she was seriously ill. She was meeting the prime minister, for, and 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 uh, you need to do that for the, her to become prime minister. Uh, and I think they'd literally just take her off the drip uh, oh, and then wow. put her back on it again. Probably it probably killed her. I'm not saying the prime minister killed uh, the queen, but you know, draw your own conclusions is what I would say. Um, <laughs> look, it's been really lovely to talk to you. I won't I won't hold you up anymore, just in case you feel like I'm glad to have shared this time together. <laughs> I'm very. It's lovely to see you. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and um, it's uh, and, and, you know if if the new shows are anything like the uh, the stuff I've seen already, it's going to be and I'm sure it is. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. So everyone, go and see the wonderful Doug Stanhope. Maybe not if you're easily offended, but if you like if you if you like good jokes, go and see Doug. He's one of the absolute top stand-up comedians in the world. Thank you very much. We'll be this is the end of the 24 series. We'll be back on Wednesday with the next one with Reese Shearsmith, provided. My shows don't get cancelled by the death of the Queen. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Thank you. <laughs> you have been listening to Rahala Stapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Doug Stanhope. Thank you to Scant Regard, who provide the music for these credits and do nothing else than lazy people. I'm indebted to my director and friend, Chris Evans, not that one who set up all of this, and to Doug's people, who did fantastic work in setting this up. Um, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStrike.com production. Head to GoFasterStrike.com and buy some downloads or books. Help little Chris Evans knock that one out, if you can. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about this podcast. Make them listen too. Every new listener is another few tenths of a pence in the kitty. Thank you. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>